0: Amen. Well, if you would, turn in your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 8, as we hear the story of the shepherds that were visited by angels on the night when Jesus was born. Me and my wife were, were talking the last couple days, and we were saying how in a lot of ways, if you live here in Bowling Green, in some ways, it doesn't feel like like Christmas. Maybe because a tornado came through our town just to a week ago, that's felt our, uh, that's, it's kind of thrown our, our city off kilter a little bit, so it doesn't feel like Christmas. But as I was reading this passage in Luke chapter 2, I'm sure on that dark, dark night as the shepherds were tending their sheep, it didn't feel very much like Christmas. But before the night was over, they knew what Christmas felt like. They knew what it meant for a Savior to be born in Bethlehem. And what that meant for their hearts and their lives. And so, I pray the same for us, that we would be surprised by joy, even from hearing this story again today. It says, In in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold... But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them, them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Let's pray together. Father, we, Lord, we want to know the good news of great joy that the angels brought. And Lord, for some of us, that joy might feel far from us today. It might seem so distant. Lord, the joy we even knew when we first came to Christ might seem far away. But Lord, we pray for all of us here today. Lord, I pray for myself as I preach. I pray for your people as we hear. Lord, I pray for those who don't even know Jesus, that you would surprise us by joy that comes from only him and him alone. Lord, may Christmas, may the spirit of Christmas be born in our hearts this morning for our joy and your great glory, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Christmas is an invitation to joy. That's what Christmas is about. Christmas is an invitation to joy. We've all received invitations before, right? We've got an invitation in the mail. Maybe it's an invitation to a wedding or a graduation or a birthday party. And, and everything about these invitations, it's, the invitations are for a single event that you get to go to for a brief moment, experience just for a second, and then it's gone. So you're invited to a wedding, and you, you go and you dance a little bit, you eat some cake, and then it's over, and then you you forget about it, you're gone. You get invited to a birthday party, you pin the tail on a donkey, you get some ice cream, play some games, you you go home, and it's it's over. But this Christmas invitation is not an invitation to a, a single event for a brief moment. No, Christmas is an invitation to a lifetime of joy. It's an invitation for the coming of Christ to literally change, not just how you celebrate in the month of December, not just how you celebrate Christmas, it's an invitation to how you see everything. It's a reorientation of your life, how how you experience every second of life, how you feel moment by moment for, for those who are hidden in a Savior named Jesus. The other night, I was watching The Grinch with my kids, the, the 2018 version, the, the best version. If you want to argue with me, we can argue about it later, but the best version. And t- towards the end of the movie on the morning of Christmas, when all the presents have been stolen, the whole town is sad, and, and Cindy Lou, who is so upset, she wants to take all the blame for The Grinch stealing Christmas. And then her mom says this profound theological truth. She says this. He didn't steal Christmas. He just stole stuff. Christmas is in here. Christmas is in here. The the world can't steal joy. A tornado can't steal joy. These things in this world, they, they, they think those things can can flee, they can pass away, but no one can steal the joy that Christ. Bloods in our hearts. That's the invitation to Christmas for you. Not a fleeting feeling of happiness. It's an invitation to untouchable joy. Unstealable joy. Offered to those who have found all their rest, all their trust. Who have collapsed their life on Jesus Christ, the one and only Savior. It's an invitation that was first given to the shepherds that night watching their flocks, but it's an invitation still extended to us this morning. The day after Christmas when even a lot of your toys are already growing old, you're trying to move on to the next toy, the Holy Spirit wants to invite us to good news of great joy. So this morning I want to invite you to pray, to put yourself in the sandals of the shepherds. To put yourself on that hillside. And I want you to hear the angels' voices for yourself. As though they're speaking to your own heart. Now before I go any further, we have to remember who these shepherds were. Who the audience is receiving this good news. The, the shepherds were the lowliest of the lows. So, Some people said they were the despised of the society. If if anything, they were just out of sight, out of mind. They were the forgotten ones of culture. Now, if if I'm sending this message, if I'm God, my bright idea is that I'm coming first to the priests. I'm going to go to the Pharisees, all the religious leaders who have some pool in the city. I'm going straight to the temple. Surely you're going to go straight to the temple and post this on the bulletin board. You're going to go straight to the Roman courts. But instead, the Lord graciously appears and brings good news of great joy to the forgotten ones. To the ones who were lowly. To the ones that the rest of the world thought were out of sight, out of mind, the forgotten ones that no one else cared for. Is that not the nature of grace? The, nat- the nature of grace is that grace comes to the ones who are forgotten, to the lowliest of lows, the ones who everyone else says they would never deserve grace. They would never deserve good news of great joy like this, the forgotten ones. That's who grace. That's who God loves to shower and lavish His grace upon. So if that's you this morning, then, then picture yourself there. It's it's pitch black outside. You, you probably can't see your hand in front of your face. Maybe you don't see the sheep lying on the ground when when all of a sudden, an angel appears before you. It says the glory of the Lord is shining all around. Luke is trying to capture the stark contrast of it being pitch black. And all of a sudden, the glory of God, the Shekinah glory of the God, filling up the hillside, filling up the skies. Think about the glory of God as it was on Mount Sinai before Moses. Or the glory of God in Isaiah 6, where the angels are crying, holy, holy, holy. In that moment, the glory of God fills the hillside like the holy of holies, and you fall on your face to the ground. You fall on your face to the ground in fear because surely in this place is the glory of God and the holiness of God. Yet in that moment, while you're on your face, while you're feeling overwhelmed with fear, you hear the angel say softly to you, the angel says this, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. The angel calms your fears with a promise. The angel Calms your fears with a promise, with the message of good news, of great joy. Not small joy, not a little joy, not a, a good a proportion of joy, but a great joy for, for all people. Th- this language is the same language we find throughout the New Testament when it talks about sharing the good news of the gospel. An evangelist bringing the good news of what Christ has done to sinners. So, the angel here is bringing good news of great joy for all people, for all sinners who will repent and receive it. This is the nature of the gospel. We have to believe what, he, what the angel says that this is the very nature of the gospel. The gospel is joy filling. The gospel is joy-inducing, joy-saturated. That's the nature of the gospel. If you really receive what Christ has done for sinners. And this, this is the joy-stirring good news that they receive. Listen to the next verse. For unto you, verse 11, is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. You know, this is the only verse in the Bible, verse 11, that has the word Savior Christ and Lord in one verse. That's a beautiful verse. The one verse in the whole Bible that captures completely who this baby is who's lying in a manger in Bethlehem. The angel says that Jesus is a Savior. He, he's not just a Savior, He is the Savior of the world. He's the only one who has come to die on a sinner's cross for your sins and for my sins. The angel says that Jesus is the, the Christ. He's the coming King. He's this promised Messiah we've been waiting for. The one who will reign on a throne in heaven right now, right now and forevermore. And he says that Jesus is the Lord. He's the only one who's worthy of all our attention, all our affection, all of our allegiance. Jesus is Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. That's who Jesus is, Christ, the Lord, our Savior. But what I don't want you to miss this morning is that it is the personal invitation that the angel gives the shepherds. And listen, the personal invitation that that the angel gives to you this morning. Because remember, he says this, for unto you. For unto you. Is born this day in the city of David, a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. It's unto you that Christ has come. It's for you that he came. I mean, if you're thinking back to the passage we heard earlier from Isaiah 9, it's like the angel wants to capture in just a few words the prophecy of Isaiah 9. When in Isaiah 9 we read this promise of the Savior who would come. For two, listen to what he says. For to us, for to us, a child is born. This is what Isaiah says. To us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and of the peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. But notice this. Notice that the angel doesn't say, for unto us is born this day. No, the angel says, for unto you is born this day because the angels don't need a savior to save them from their sins but you and I are desperate for him i mean jesus has come not for the angels who are who are up high in the heavens Jane, the angels have come for lowly shepherds i mean jesus has come for lowly shepherds Jesus has come for the forgotten ones, those who are desperate like you and I, desperate in need of a Savior. That's who Jesus has come for. And listen, brothers and sisters, there is nothing more joy-inducing than a sinner being forgiven for their sins. There is no comparison in this world than a sinner being forgiven of their sins from a holy God, being reconciled to a holy God through Jesus Christ. So again, listen this morning. Listen to the good news of great joy. Listen to it, not like it was just for some shepherds on a hillside 2,000 years ago, listen to the Holy Spirit stirring joy in your heart this morning when he says to you, for unto you, for unto you is born this day. Unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. That's for you. That's for you today. That joy, that good news of great joy is for you. So I want to invite you to go with the shepherds this Christmas into the joy of Jesus. I want to invite you to receive the good news of great joy and to do something with it. I want, I want to invite you to go with them and, and to sing for joy. And that's the next thing we see in this passage. The, the passage says, suddenly or, or unexpectedly, You thought an angel was something to see. Unexpectedly, suddenly there was a heavenly host filling the sky. I mean, Luke's emphasis is as much about how shocking it is as how quickly it took place. It's like overwhelming in an instant that the whole sky would be filled with the glory of heaven. I mean, it's not every night. I don't know what you did this weekend. I don't know what happened at your house, but it's not every night that the dark sky is lit up with an army of thousands of angels singing. I mean, something big must be happening because nothing like this has ever happened again. This is a a once-in-a-creation event, only for the coming of a king. The angels fill up the night sky and with their presence and with their voices, this is their song, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those whom He has pleased. Their, Their song is filled with glory to a holy God who reigns on high. The one who's worthy of praise and honor. But it's also filled not just with glory to Him but for peace to us. A peace that rests on those who find favor with the holy God. It's a song about peace that rests on sinners when they know the lavish grace and love of God that they could never deserve, but it's lavished upon them because God in His goodness pours it out on sinners like you and me. Now I was talking to Eric Salmons the other night and he told me the other night, you know what, I'm, I'm probably the worst singer at Christ Fellowship. I probably, man, when we start singing, he's like, man, I'm just, I don't know, maybe y'all want to have a competition. I don't know. Who 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 really knows? Who really knows who the worst singer is here, right? But but what I do know, what I do know is, is we might not sound like the angels of heaven. But we can sing about the joy of having peace with the holy God that they never could. About the peace of being reconciled to God. And so as the angels are singing, yes, they can sing the words, but we can feel the peace that can rest on a sinner, the joy that overcomes you when you're forgiven and free in a Savior named Jesus Christ. You can sing and feel it like they never could. So I want to invite you to sing, sing for joy with the angels. I'm going to invite you to share in the joy, share in the joy of the the shepherds. Listen, notice the shepherds, they don't keep this joy to themselves. They don't look at one another and say, well, that that was kind of weird. That was a little odd and go back to tending the the sheep. No, they couldn't. No, the, the language is like, it's like they're saying, Come on, guys. What are we waiting for? We have to get to Bethlehem. We have to go and see what the angel has told us. We have to see this baby lying in a manger. The the shepherds are filled with faith so much so and and so much joy that they hurry with haste to Bethlehem. They leave behind their sheep, and they, they rush quickly to Mary and Joseph and to a baby lying in a manger. Like one commentator said, there there might have been a lot of babies in Bethlehem that night, but I can guarantee you there was only one baby lying in a horse trough. And so I would have loved to see the look on their faces as they they laid their eyes on Jesus, lying in a manger when they walked through that stable. I I would have loved to hear them tell Of the messenger that brought the good news of great joy to them. I would have loved to hear them try to capture in words, capture with words the singing of thousands of angels filling up the night sky with joy. And I would love to see the looks on the faces of Mary and Joseph as they hear the good news of great joy. I don't have any slides to show you of what happened on that, that night, but, but whatever any of us are picturing in our mind, if we took our minds, our hearts, back to that moment, back to that stable, I can guarantee you this, I'm, I'm guessing it's not yawning that's coming to mind. I'm, I'm guessing it's not boredom. Mary probably doesn't have a a bothered look on her face. She's been bothered by these shepherds. No, what you're seeing and what I'm seeing in, in our mind and our heart is we're seeing joy. We're seeing a sharing of joy as they share in a Savior named Jesus. I love how Luke captures it in verse 19. He says, but Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them. In her heart. I mean, what would it look like if, if Christ's fellowship was like this? What would it look like if we were people who share in the joy of Jesus together? What, what would it look like to be filled with awe together that, that Jesus Christ, that the King of Kings, would come for us? Like, what if that shocked us again? What if that left us in awe and wonder again? That Jesus, the the Son of God, would be born for us. And not just born for us, but He would die for us. And that three days later, He would rise again where He is interceding for us. And one day, He was coming again, and we would see Him. What if that that left us in awe? I mean, sometimes when me and Zach Brandt get together and talk about... uh, things with discipleship, we talk about the gospel, and sometimes we just find ourselves laughing that this stuff's even true. I'm just surprised by joy that this could be true, that a Savior would come for me. If that that doesn't leave you in awe, then you've forgotten who you are, and you've forgotten who Christ is. What would it look like if we were instruments of cultivating joy in one another every week? Where when we got together in our homes and we met up for coffee or lunch, that our aim was how can we treasure up these things in our hearts like Mary? How can we more treasure these things as precious as a gift that we can't get out of our heart and in our minds together? Because that's why the church exists. That's what brings God the Father joy. When he looks down and he sees his children multiplying joy in one another, in him. What what if that was our aim in 2022 at Christ Fellowship? I just just want to multiply joy in Jesus in my brothers and sisters. How can I turn up the joy in their heart just a few notches just from us being together right now? Because believe it or not, there, there are times this week, there are times this month, there's times this, this year that we're going to jo- grow joyless in our walk with Christ. I mean, if you're anything like me, there are days ahead where you're going to feel down, where you're going to feel despair really easily. We're going to feel defeated. Some of you all feel that way right now, sitting here going, this joy seems a billion miles away, and I don't even know how I'll ever have it. But listen, I need the joy that's in your heart when I've lost the joy in mine. I need you to cultivate Help me treasure these things in my heart. I need you to speak the good news of great joy to my heart again and again and again. Not not the okay news that we sing and yawn about. No, the good news of great joy, which is what Christ came to bring to every single one of us in here. I want to invite us to sing for joy and to share in joy and finally to spread the joy. We're not given what's, what happened to the shepherds the rest of their lives. We don't know if they went back to tending sheep forever or if the whole, their whole lives went into a different direction. But wh- what we do know, what we see here, is that they could not be silent. Joy doesn't know how to be silent. I was thinking about this the other day. Joy doesn't even need its own apologist. Like joy takes care of itself and defends itself and displays itself. And joy cannot be silent. I mean, I love the words in verse 20. It says, and the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. If you've ever been anywhere with Pastor Brian, you'll know that he gets really excited about stuff. He says stuff like, that. you go to a UK game, can you believe it? We're in Ruff Arena. Can you believe that we were in Ruff Arena? Can you believe it, that that we're out here in this deer stand? I've never been in the deer stand, but I'm guessing he would be whispering, can you believe it? He gets gets excited. You can't keep it to yourself when you're excited about something. It's almost like I picture these shepherds, they're going back, and they're saying to one another, can you believe we just saw the king? Can you believe that that's the one who will save us from our sins? Can you believe that He is Christ, the Messiah, that He is the Lord who's worthy of everything? Can you believe it? shepherds return giving glory to God, filled with joy, saying, For unto me a child has been born today in the city of David. I can't believe it because I'm a great sinner that I would get this great joy from a Savior. It's like a lot, they sound a lot like Peter in Acts 4 who say, for we cannot but speak of what we've seen and what we've heard. I mean, we could try to be silent, but how? Joy doesn't know how to be silent. I mean, if the gospel is truly by nature good news of great joy, then it is too good to keep to yourself. The gospel cultivates joy in our hearts, and then it spreads by nature to joy to others, and then it brings glory to God. I mean, that's the path of joy from our hearts to other hearts, to more glory to God. So if you had to ask today, with Christmas, is is God after more joy for sinners or more glory for himself? Well, the answer is yes. The answer is yes. He wants to increase your joy. And as he increases your joy and my joy, he gets all the glory. Because joy comes from sinners being saved by grace from a holy God who should have forgotten us, but moves to show us grace. The best Christmas gift I received this year was probably a text I received the other night after our Christmas service. I was getting in bed and I looked back and a member of our church, Drew Bell, had to work late at a warehouse and couldn't be with us, worshiping on our Christmas service the other night. And the, his text, all it said was, I led a coworker to Christ tonight. And I don't know what you got for Christmas this year, I don't know what everybody got for for Christmas in all of Bowling Green, but I can tell you this, that nothing compares to the joy of being forgiven in Jesus. Nobody received as good a joy as that man received. So let me just say this in closing to those who are lacking joy this morning who again, who feel joyless, who feels like joy is a billion miles away. The main reason you might be lacking joy this morning is that you're lacking Jesus. You're not a Christian who's trusting and resting and clinging to Jesus. You're seeking joy somewhere else. And and no matter where you're seeking joy this morning, whether it's in in a relationship, or a job, or, or money, or, or in drugs, or kids, or, or even your best religious performance, if it's not Jesus, it cannot and will not satisfy your soul. It's not its nature, like Christ is. Christ's nature is to bring you joy, and those things cannot do it. But, but maybe you're a Christian this morning, and maybe you... Feel like you've lost the joy of your salvation. Maybe maybe there's a time that you remember sensing the awe and the the wonder of Jesus, but right now you you feel like you've lost it. it. It feels so far away. More than anything, I want to encourage you to meditate again this morning on the good news of great joy. Because again, the gospel by nature, is joyful. So meditating on Christ's great love for you can only bring about great joy in you. That's what happens when we receive and believe and trust in Jesus. Meditating on the great love for you, a sinner in Jesus, only can bring about great joy in you. Maybe this morning you feel like joy is impossible, that it's not realistic. Well, the Bible tells us this story about Paul, who, whose life in many ways looks way worse than just going through a, a tornado one week. I'm talking about beaten, flogged, left for dead, lashes on his back, shipwrecked, not, not to mention all the anxiety he had for those believers, the churches who were falling apart. And yet Paul would say, that he is sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. Always rejoicing. Not mostly rejoicing. Always rejoicing. That, meaning there's a way to rest in Christ that brings a consistency to our joy in Christ. I mean, that's what Jesus said. I, I feel like some hearts might s- still not be believing me when I say that Christ came to give you joy, but, but Jesus says this very thing in John 10 the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. That's why I came. That's a purpose for why I'm here, that you might have life and you might have life abundantly. He says later, That you might believe my words and your joy might be full. Your joy might be complete. Jesus is after your joy. So I want to encourage you this morning to fight for joy. To fight for joy by by going with the shepherds. Have your lips singing with the angels this morning. And when we sing, even in a moment, sing with the heart that says, this is about me. This is true for me until your heart's moved with joy. Rearrange your life where you're with joyful Christians, where you spend time with those who exhibit joy in Christ so that their joy in Jesus might stir up joy in you. Share the good news of the gospel so that when sinners experience that joy for the first time, you'll remember how you experienced that joy when you were forgiven of your sins. Do you know the song Joy to the World by Isaac Watts was not written for Christmas? I don't know if you know this, but that song was written by Isaac Watts as he was summarizing the Psalms for his church. He was a pastor, and this song was a summarized summarized form of Psalm 98. A psalm which proclaims this. This is what it says in Psalm 98. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made known His salvation. He has revealed His righteousness in the sight of the nations. He has remembered His steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. See, this is a song that's a a lot less about the coming of Christmas and the collecting of more presents. It's a song about the coming of Christ. And receiving his great joy. It's a joy that's not simply present during Christmas season. It's a joy that reigns in our heart every single day. Because every single day Jesus is reigning in heaven. It's a joy that comes not from getting a toy or a present that will one day sit in our yard sales. No, it's a, an eternal joy a joy that will go on forever, a joy that will never fade because Christ, our Savior, King, who came and was born for us and died for us and rose again for us, lives in heaven for us, and He is one day coming back for us. And we will see Him. For unto you, unto you, unto you is born this day. In the city of David, a Savior who was born, who is Christ the Lord. So we sing this Christmas, we really sing every second of our lives, joy to the world. The Lord has is come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart in here this morning, let every heart prepare Him room for our great joy and for his great glory. Let's pray together. Father, it's overwhelming to think that, that God, you so loved us, that you would send your one and only son, that he would come for us, that he would come to live for us, to die for us, and to rise again But Lord, he himself says that he came, that we might have life, that we might have it abundantly, that we might have life to the fullest, that we might know joy that's unstealable, joy that's untouchable, joy forever with him. And so Lord, I pray for all of us here this morning that we would experience this everlasting joy. This unceasing joy that comes in Christ, in Christ alone. This joy that Jesus longed that it would be in us and that that His joy would be filled in us. Lord, I pray that we would be surprised by this joy this morning. Lord, whether we're a saint, one who is in Christ, but who has lost the joy of their salvation, forgotten what it meant to be in awe of Christ again. Lord, would you surprise them in this moment with joy? Or, Lord, whether it's someone who's seeking satisfaction in this world, seeking to be filled with life from something in this world that could never satisfy them. Lord, I pray for the first time that they would turn from their sin and they would turn to a joy-saturated Jesus. That they would receive good news of great joy in Him and Him alone through repentance of their sins, and a receiving of a Savior this Christmas. Lord, would you do this for your glory and our joy? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.